Good evening, afternoon, whatever applies. This evening's Dharma talk is titled Details of Fixation. I think that's the title again. Oh, and I thought about this a little bit, trying to give a title that would reflect what it is I want to talk about. Today, earlier, I don't know when it was, but earlier I used an example using my hands. Let's say the fixation is like, I'll hold this, the, the coats are like this, the fixation that we have in our minds uh, with our, whatever, whatever it is, passion, aggression, ignorance, and all the variables that come along, jealousy, pride, anxiety, depression, um, feeling worthless. Uh, we could go on and on, but that, that situation that comes up is that we tend to fixate on, that we like it to just go away. We would like it to, or else we'd like to find out why it's happening so we could figure out where the off and on switch is. So when it shows up, it feels it's difficult. We could, there's different ways of describing it. Some people might have this in a very low vibration. It might not be that difficult. It's something that they can work with, and a sitting meditation tends to ease that for people. And sometimes it can make it worse because my way of talking about it, it isn't necessarily happening this way, but the way I understand it is we've been shutting down on it for so many years when we finally do stop trying to shove it away or push it away or meditate it away. Instead, we just, we're just going to just look at it. We're just going to, whatever shows up, we're just going to receive it, just receive it, just receive it. And then that which has been hidden uh, begins to show up. And so the whole feeling can be one of being difficult in such a way that we begin to think, I'm getting worse. This is not working. This meditation is not good for me. Not a good idea. Maybe I should do something else. So when we see the difficulty, let's just call it uh, anxiety. So we, we're sitting and we, we see, we feel, we taste, we, we experience something that we are calling it anxiety. It might be something other than anxiety. Even anxiety is just a word for something that I don't know what the hell it is, really. So we use that and 15 people all say they have anxiety. Could be experiencing dealing with something completely different. The person next to them. So the the detail part of what I'm trying to say is that when we when we look at the anxiety, we're just seeing what I would like to say is the leading edge of the anxiety. Uh, the part of the anxiety that is, that is adding or contributing to the problem is it's much more detailed and much more um, complicated than just uh, what is showing up as that feeling that we're calling that, calling whatever it may be. So by looking at it, as I, I say, shikantaza, just observe. If you go away from it, if you add to it, if you, any commentary at all stops the investigation. And just the raw, rugged edge of, the, of, the, of that which arises when you just receive is not particularly enjoyable. And what I would say is return return to the cushion, return to the cushion, return to the practice over and over and over again, and look at that situation as much as you can. <clears throat> what we're doing is we're training, we're training ourselves to see deeply into anything, into any life event, any death event for that matter, anything that's coming into being or passing out of being, anything that is in the beginning stages, uh, something that is in the path stages or some kind of movement and something is this actual fruition of some kind. So the details are, and try to come up with some metaphors for this that will be helpful, but you can also ask questions. When you look at the fixation, let's do it very literally. I'll, I'll give you a show and tell. Here's the fixation is my fist around this otsu, this noi. But as soon as I see the fixation, I'm seeing this much of it, that little finger, that's the fixation. And that's what we back away from. That's what we try to get rid of. That's what we uh, fluff up or explain or blame on somebody, blame on ourselves, blame on anybody. Blame on the teacher even, that happens also. Blame, explanation, uh, 
uh, evaluation, elaboration, elaborate, see it instead of just dealing with it, it actually softens up the sharp edges of that anxiety by elaborating on it because you're, it is a sophisticated and highly polished form of ignorance, elaborating, talking about it. Many of you have been married, know what I'm talking about. Elaborate on anything, anything but to look at the fundamental situation. Fundamental situation, not easy, especially if the mind that is the mind or the minds that are trying to deal with that, trying to communicate, have never even communicated with themselves. So therefore, anything, anytime they try to communicate with someone else, it's clouded by the lack of clarity about who's doing the talking in the first place. This is part of it. Seeing this, continue to look, continue to observe, continue to receive. And eventually, if you don't add, subtract, or divide, or do very little of it, then you'll see a deeper, more of a detailed area of that fixation on something, the fixation on, shall we just stick with anxiety, just a fixation on it. So having anxiety may not necessarily feel like you're doing it. And you may not be, from the point of view of your own practice or your mind stream or your attitude towards training your mind or the amount of time that you practice or study the Dharma. You may, you may not have started in the first place, but by when you receive that, instead of receiving it as something that needs to be, needs to show up, it's dependently risen. There's no one to blame for that. There's no personhood behind any of that. But we create a personhood that doesn't want that. We fuel, support, encourage a person who can stop feeling that way or shouldn't feel that way. Or the other one is, here I go again. Why is this always, why, 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 why? The why question is you're asking for circles. Why? Because. Why? Because. Or why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Something about the, that makes us just dizzy enough to not be able to see what it is we're looking at, which is just dependent origination. It has nothing to do with you. The intense anxiety or fear or jealousy or whatever it is that shows up in the mind stream is none of your business. It's happening in, we could say, your mind stream. But if you, if you make it, if you, if you personalize it, if you go in and take what's aggravating or disturbing and you, you, you validate it by saying, I'm feeling this way. You can say I'm feeling this way without doing validation, just as a reference, but to it actually happens in the mind stream without the statement, I'm feeling this way. We're just doing it because we are fighting with what is arising. So instead of actually looking at that fixation and receiving it as it is, all the details of the fixation, all the details until so the, it is seen so clearly that there's no more fixation. And that which uh, was there is no longer grasped as your territory, your own anxiety. And when that, it's, it's kind of an occurrence, but not exactly. It's more of the lack of an occurrence. It's the lack of the fixation. And you won't even know it's gone. You won't get a credential for getting rid of anything. You just have stopped. Uh, feeding it, giving it the nutrition of passion, aggression, or ignorance. Very simple story, a very simple way of talking about it. But what I'm endeavoring to help you with is so you can see that just observing this won't get rid of the anxiety. Anxiety may come and may come back, may stay away for three weeks. The fundamental realization is that there's no one suffering suffering is there there's no the personhood that's the the fundamental issue that we can't just get rid of the person because there wasn't anyone in the first place no solid being in the first place well it's somewhat formulaic in the way i'm talking about it but the way it shows up for you could be different than that this is what i'm the examples i'm giving may not fit but what i'm saying may trigger uh, or may help you see that you're you're participating in your own anxiety, your own you're, you're helping it by pushing, by fighting with it, and we take it personal. We think I shouldn't be feeling this way, 
or the reason I'm feeling this way is because of what happened when I was three years old and how I was mistreated. And that it's very possible that that's valid. And if you go in that route, then then you have to deal with it in the in the relative world. It's, it's it, it it doesn't abandon the spiritual path, but it doesn't consider it. It doesn't consider that there's a way to transcend the very warfare that we're dealing with. So we may not in in, in our world we quite often want to punish the person who did that. It's not that that doesn't seem valid. But it, it's just circular. It just brings about more and more chaos down the road. This doesn't mean you have to forgive any, anybody. Don't forgive anybody. You could stop blaming them. That might help. But don't blame them. You don't have to forgive them. This doesn't mean you take your eyes off from something that is where someone has gotten confused about the nature of their being in relationship to someone else and abuses someone. But always be aware of that. But how you work with that isn't to go back and do the same thing to them that they may have done to someone else. It's, it would be situational. It would be different within every situation. The most important thing there is a lot of sunlight. You've all heard of vitamin D, I'm sure. What does that stand for? Anybody know vitamin D? Why do they call it D? Why isn't it quite vitamin Q? Nobody's going to help me, then I'm going to go on. Fixation, fixation. It feels so real, feels so valid because there's someone who, who is fixed and fixated and there's something they're fixated on that, that shouldn't be happening. It won't go away, but we've got it. So if we look at it closely, sitting practice of meditation is part of it, but also just seeing it when we get up from the, from the table to, to walk down the hallway to go to another room, that that tight knot in our stomach or our chest or that is cre creating pain, suffering for us. Please look at that. No pushing, no pulling, aggression, no pushing, passion, no, no pulling. What I mean is don't explain it. Don't, don't, ex you could, you could explain it. You could begin, you could get a little bit of, a, a, a little bit of relief just by blaming somebody for it who's, relatively speaking, probably did start that and contribute to it. But if you go that route, then you have to, you might as well take it to court. What's that going to be? That's all about right and wrong. It's all about proof. Be very careful when you look for proof. All, all proof, all evidence is partial. You can't find complete evidence for anything. When I say partial, I mean all, you can't get all of the what, facts. Sure looks like it though. And we're anxious, the ego mind is anxious to get all the facts so we can know who's the culprit, know who did it, so we can hold them accountable. I'm not saying we can't hold any something accountable. There's going to be cause and effect, and we can work with that, but it should be worked with in a, in a broader, broader context that includes everything as much as possible without a lot of correcting that has to do with uh, ego nutrition in any direction. So details, very, very precise details. They get more and more precise the more you just observe. Don't add or subtract or divide or do anything with it other than just whatever's showing up in the mind stream needs to be there because it is dependently risen. You need to be here because you're dependently risen, this body-mind complex, but your true nature is not separate from anything. Your true nature is not even human. It shows up in this form because it always finds whatever form it needs. And when I say it, what it needs, again, back to dependent origination, cause and effect in a grand scale is an understatement. Questions? Mundo. What would be an example of a detail? I was thinking about that earlier. And, uh, could be lots of, it could be deeper levels of the same thing, of the anxiety. It, it might be, say, we're using that. It might be if it were something that had a lot of story to it, like the anxiety might not have, the depression might not have. But just looking at the repetition, repetition of that awareness begins to, it's like looking at a dark corner. Uh, and then 
you get continue to look in the dark corner and look in the dark corner, return to it, return to it, return to that over and over again until you see what that is. So the the, the details the details could be uh, hidden because you don't persist. You look in and conclude. The details are all there all at once. You can just see them. But instead, we we don't get enough, so then we back out and look for something. Oh, this isn't working. It's a common thing that we say to ourselves: is we need to do something else. An uh, example of uh, something that actually uh, occurred to someone, like some kind of trauma in early life or in, or in later life. And looking at the details of that, rather than immediately getting that first detail, de the first detail is: uh, I was abused when I was four years old. That's the whole memory of that. A lot more to it than that. I'm not saying that you're going to go in and find a detail, you know, a third one down the line that shows that you did something that caused that person to abuse you. I'm not talking about that kind of detail. I'm not talking about a courtroom. I'm talking about details that are that are just deeper levels of understanding of the same situation. Just a way of talking about it. I'm saying it this way so that I can encourage you to not only ask questions like you're doing, also say you have to it takes a while you have to stay with it you have to have a willingness to whatever arises just to, just observe it whatever arises is totally appropriate there's nothing wrong with anything that occurs because it's dependent but if we think something's wrong something shouldn't have happened it's not that relatively of course it shouldn't have they shouldn't have abused us but that's not where we're at we're at the leading edge of dependent origination, which is happening right now. So how to work with that is to just receive that and don't go back in order to give, give subsistence to your own self-centeredness by blaming. More? Undivine. Are details, thoughts, memories, feelings? All that. Could be all of that. You might sit, uh, you might go into retreat and sit for a while and nothing much happens or just a lot of discursive thought and then a certain aspect of your of your life might start to crack apart or things start coming into consciousness that weren't there before perhaps not always there's no guarantee of anything it might be that none of that happens maybe uh, just uh, not sure what's happening not sure that you're getting anywhere might even have feeling like you're wasting your time because there's no evidence coming in. buying on the cushion, are we looking at those details or are we... Whatever moves in the mind is you as the object of meditation. Whatever's showing up, that's the object. It's different than other kinds of training. Sometimes that's called uh, Vipassana. And that, uh, like uh, Shamatha, Vipassana, or Mindfulness Awareness. Mindfulness is more of a focus. It's more like the, that aspect of um, Shikantaza that happens. Shikantaza, you're practicing, practicing Shikantaza, you're doing Shamatha Vipassana. It's just that you're doing it with your particular mind stream, with your particular dynamic, rather than doing it uh, because somebody says do it this way. That's why we don't do walking meditation when somebody hits, hits a gong. We chant the sutras together because we have to. We have to do it that way. Well, it's time to do walking meditation. That's up to you when you get off your cushion. It's also up to you how long you stay on your cushion, rather than have some kind of a head person who tells everybody when to when to stand up and sit. A little bit of that, but not too much. Not more than is necessary in any given practice situation. With the Bowing. Um, sometimes you say thoughts are none of our business, and it's more about looking or being aware of the movement. Here you're saying, look at the detail. Well, if, I'm saying look at it, and if you don't do anything with it, if you, if you have something arise in your mind stream that you're not doing anything with, you're just watching it, and you will see the detail. You don't have to look at the detail. It's not about investigation, per se. It's not about investigation. It's, this is what we're going to investigate. Just watch what moves, watch what moves, and then if any kind of anything would show up that could be described as investigation, that will start to occur on its own, rather than something you would intend to go and pierce the veil, so to speak. Sort of bowing. Um, with, with the image of the, the fingers coming up, yes. um, 
we might, or I might not notice anxiety unless it's, it comes up on the cushion and it's really intense, but I might leave. Do we, for the finger to come up, do we have to sit with it in its intensity? No. Don't maintain anything. It's always about intention. At some point, if you just intend, if you just intend, uh, when it is time, put it bluntly, uh, you will begin to see the, the whole situation. Don't maintain it as if it's some kind of project where you're trying to get somewhere. There are, there are forms of meditation that are taught that way. Poem practice is quite often about pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, or, or the develop a big, uh, a big doubt, deliberately doubts. So, are we still working with anxiety when we're not seeing anxiety? Probably. Question from Bobby Tulos in Grand Rapids. Bobby, what are the qualities of a precise detail? <laughs> Stop it, Bobby. <laughs> so. Uh, it is about becoming, uh, let me use this word, it's about becoming very intimate with the, and we use anxiety again, uh, being intimate with the anxiety. So it, it, I'm using the word detail because I don't know what else to use. And right before I gave, uh, I told uh, Junchu the title of the talk, I was still looking um, for another word than uh, the, the details of fixation. I wanted to talk about fixation and say it's not just fixation. It's a process of slowly fixating in something based on fear. And so it's, it's a kind of deconstructing that nobody deconstructs. It's, it's a kind of deconstructing that, that just through the sheer force of awareness, the sheer force of the, of the, of the light of, of knowing, of seeing, of you're not approving of it, you're not disapproving, but you're certainly not looking away. The sheer force of that is operates on, in, a, in a way that it's like it's not even separate from it. It's not just a light shining on it. it. It is the light. This is where one of the teachings that comes up is that Buddhism and sentient beings are not two different things. Awakening and realization and delusion are not two separate things. It approaches that kind. <clears throat> it approaches that by using what I'm saying, look at the details, eventually the details the one who's looking at details and, and the, what the details are about stop being separate from each other. That's not something you can create. It's not something you can, you can churn up or graduate to. It's just something you just stop, you stop covering up your true nature. And you see that everything is completely perfect as it is. At the same time, the ego over here and the ego over there jabbering about, oh, you can't let that happen. This has to be dealt with. You need to, you need to, you need to. You may need to do something, but not in the extreme that quite often it is promoted by materialism. So, Bobby, the, your, the details in your mind, the different aspects of the fixation, of the anxiety, or of the, of the um, frustration or fear, different, the different ways that shows up. You can do the idea here by saying, look at the details, isn't so much that it's going to be the kind of detail that would show up in, um, like in a painting, the details of the painting. Uh, it's more like the teaching that I'm endeavoring to is, 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 is uh, phrased in such a way that will, that will encourage you to continue to look at it, to continue to look because it is at deeper levels than just the first level that you react to and go into have so much anxiety. Immediately abandon the anxiety because it, it lightens the load of the anxiety by um, uh, making it kind of your property that you've got to get rid of. And it, you shove it out the door or ignore it or stop it from happening or blame someone. And so that circularity of the mind goes in and starts spinning around instead of just receive, just receive. This is why we sit down, face the wall, Whatever shows up, receive. Whatever goes away, receive that it's going away. Receive that it's coming back. Receive, receive. As has been said way before I got here, be a good host. Be a good host or hostess, however you want to say it. Be, be uh, welcome what comes. I'm not talking about welcoming it, welcoming it with some kind of a big outrageous grin, but 
what's showing up needs to be there. So our our understanding of divine origination begins in different ways with different people, but generally it's by just watching the movement without all the personality and all the stories and so on. And there, uh, it's about looking at the chemistry of it rather than what what the chemical uh, shows up as. It's like looking at the chemical without really knowing what it is. Right, Chishou? Chemicals. <laughs> so it's like looking, like uh, another uh, example that I would like to bring up is like when you would chant the sutras, sometimes, well, I'm not, yeah, it would be chant sutras, but I don't know what they mean. And I often say, well, you wouldn't, even if you heard, uh, knew the meaning of it, you wouldn't understand. But we do, we chant the heart sutra in the morning in Japanese and evenings, some evenings in uh, English. And it's difficult to, to understand those because they are they're relative words that are endeavoring to draw you in in such a way that you begin to transcend your relative fixation on right and wrong, up and down, success and failure, um, spiritual path, mundane path. You have, to, you have to differentiate to some extent, but it's the grasping and the fixation that needs to be seen. So we can see that, see there's lots of parts to that. At the same time, saying that there may not, they may not show up as parts so much as they may be just instance, like return, return, return to us, return, as Kagyuri Roshi says in his book, return, return to silence, returning to silence, returning to silence, returning to stillness, return, intention, it's the intention, it's not the maintenance. What I have to maintain, this, this, whatever this teacher. Is sitting here is doing it, certainly not maintaining anything. Nothing to maintain. There's nothing to teach if there are no, no students. Sir. Are there deeper levels to fixation than fear and identity? Yes. You might not even have names, but that's this, if it goes on and on. You don't have to get rid of any of that. You don't have to stop fixating. That's what, that's the ego is trying to stop. Being a bad ego, being stop fixating, stop, stop. The ego gets to hang around as long as it wants because the, very, the ego itself is fixating. It's unreal. It's also dependent on everything. There isn't anything that arises that isn't dependent on everything else for its apparent singularity or identity. That's why it's a grand delusion. the Bible, an example of a deeper level beyond um, the emotion and the identity. Lots of space. Lots of lots of space that the ego doesn't want to look at that because it's just all the reference points are gone and it feels it can be. I'm not saying everyone is going to be terrified, but there can be a lot of anxiety or fear over just slowly losing your reference points. Losing your conventional understanding of, of right and wrong, all that starts to crack and come apart. Mahavipassana, the great panoramic awareness that doesn't see, doesn't see specific things, that doesn't miss any details, doesn't see specificity, unless that's what needs to be seen. It's always situational. In other words, it's always the situation. It's always dependent origination without personhood. And that when one functions that way, one doesn't particularly particularly feel like anything at all. You don't particularly, particularly feel like you were a special person who didn't fix it. You might enjoy watching this. Might enjoy a lot of things. I'm buying a different question. Um, is it helpful to flash on dependent origination? It seems sometimes that that alleviates the emotion. I think, I think it does. In other words, flash on the concept of everything is dependent origin. Most, most, nothing comes from its own side as an individual being yourself or object. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. That's a way of using. That's why we study this material. 
all these intellectual, all these concepts is to help us when we get tied up in some kind of elaboration of right or wrong, or I'm a failure, or someone else is doing better, or I'm not getting what I deserve, and no one appreciates me. All of the bologna sandwiches that come down the pike, um, you can always return to that concept. Um, or, or the other one is the refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, is another more of a ritualized form of it rather than just a conceptual thing. There's no separate thing anywhere. The, way I, the simple way I put it is nothing is separate. It just looks that way. Everything is dependently risen. The, cla the classical description, not just me, but the, nothing comes from its own side as an individual being yourself, whether it's an object or a person. There is no own side. When we're overwhelmed with an emotion, uh, that's my train of thought. You were on a train, and it was thought, and you lost it. So where did you lose it at? So when you're all full of emotion, what do you do about that? Is that what you're asking? What about how do you take refuge? How, how does how is taking refuge? You just repeat it. It's just a just simple kind of a almost mindless kind of formula. I take refuge. I return to the Buddha. I return to the example that, of the enlightened one, of someone who is not nuts, simply put, not a god. Someone who is not at war with anything would never, never, never go to war against or for anything. And then I take refuge in the teaching of the origination of whichever aspect of it you wanted to look at, seeing that there are no separate things anymore as a concept and as the teaching of the Buddha. And put in a simplistic way in the community. Return to, I'm sure those of you who have been studying this and are in, a, in this community, or even the close community in the monastery or the community that shows up on Zoom these days, now that we have this technology, you notice it's much different to talk with people who are training their minds. They, they might not be fully enlightened. It's much different to talk with people who are working with training their minds than it is to talk with people who have no mind training. I don't care how high they're how intelligent they are. And then it's even worse to meet someone who's extremely intelligent and has spent no time uh, working with their self-centeredness of the ego. It'd be quite uncomfortable. More? Is endeavoring to have a willingness to fixate extra? Paraphrase that. Don't get smart with me. Can it be helpful to try to just have a willingness to be fixated? Maybe, but it's more like just look at the fixation. <clears throat> anything that you're dwelling on, anything that keeps pulling you into its penis uh, flytrap, just look at that and realize that it's not something else. It's not something else that's in the trap. It's your mind stream that's doing it. And that's way, then that way you can see the detail. You, can, you might see even how it's originated. You might be able to go back and see the depth of that, perhaps. Fundamental understanding is there's no one having that experience. That is, that is a, none of your business, or it's a, impersonal. It's just even the most intense personal feeling from the point of view of ultimate reality is beyond personhood. People kill themselves, they kill other people out of these intense feelings and emotions, jealousy that they feel. It's almost like they'd, they'd rather be somebody who's a terrible person rather than be not have any idea who they are or be lost. As long as there's that feeling, then there's work to be done. What is the quality of otherness if it's just the mind stream of its fixation? 
if you could complete it. It is on the quality we think it's not just it doesn't look like something else, but it is, it's real. It's, that's we might have some insight into this being in real, but we still are fixated on the world and the otherness out there. And empty of other exists. Shentong. Shentong. I don't want to get into that because I can't remember half of it. But empty, empty itself is a, the first emptiness, and empty of other is the singular. It isn't, isn't anything else. We're just, we're just Buddha. We're just awake. Just awake. Nothing sleeps in It's just a statement I'm making that I have no backup. I can't prove it. I'm trying to prove it. Somebody said, prove that. It's like, just did. How does fixation come together? It doesn't. It's an illusion. It doesn't come together. I, I think you said something along the lines of you may see, I don't, these weren't your words, but the way fixation comes together was how I took it. I lied. What is it that looks like fixation coming together if it doesn't? It's, a, it's an illusion. The whole thing, the whole, the whole shebang is unreal. The whole thing is unreal. Nothing occurs. The illusion of things are occurring is intense. And it's, and it's a fear-based grasping and a fear-based running away and a fear-based shutting down. Fear of not knowing who you are, or what's going on, or that you're somehow threatened. I'm smiling. Does that mean you understood what I said? If you did, I'd like you to explain it to me. <laughs> Any questions on Zoom? Augie. What, Augie? Bowing. What? Would an example of a, an initial detail be possibly like a, a sensation, in, like a tension in my shoulders bowing? Totally. Totally. It could be a feeling, thank you. It could be uh, showing up in the body. Uh, we, we talked to, recently I was talking, I don't know if you were there, talked about something in the or movements of the body and I might not don't have enough knowledge about this but I've run into this with some students that have spontaneous movements and some traditions are thought to be holy or something like that but it's just the way the mind sometimes expresses itself through the body it could be a movement of the body it could be indigestion it could be any number of things body and mind are uh, separated but they're not two different things there's a separation there it's not it's not not two different things, nor are they the same. That's why it's so challenging. But yes, it could be, could be experienced as physical uh, discomfort or pain. Can't hear you, Augie. Wait a minute, just go back and shut it off. See if I can read your lips. Just to do the hell of it. No, don't do that. <laughs> I keep bowing. I was thinking my stomach too. Uh, you know that that knot that can form in the stomach, the abdomen, seems like an area. I think for a lot of people where, yeah, uh, stresses, fears, or whatever, can can kind of focus. I mean, could that be a place to start anyway? Looking for a place to start bowing. But, but for details, yes, just look at that. Just look at that. Just, just receive whatever's showing up. Just receive it, rather than abandoning that or leaving it for some kind of conclusion about it or some kind of solution. This doesn't mean you shouldn't go to a doctor, but, but you'll know. You'll know when it's connected with as a meditator. You'll know when that's uh, an aspect of your your practice rather than something that is uh, you might need to go to a doctor. Thank you. 
So what I'm encouraging it by this way of talking about this details of fixation is to get you to look at the fixation for as much as possible without trying to get rid of it, without explaining it or blaming, even though it might be obvious the relative truth there might be so strong that you want to just blame some situation or your job. And it's not that that didn't cause it, but the fundamental situation uh, is what needs to be looked at. So look at the fixation, look at the distress with no comment, no elaboration. As soon as we start elaborating, then we reify, validate, and actually go back to the fundamental substrate of confusion, which is relative truth. Go back and we just, it's just easier to blame somebody or accuse someone or accuse ourselves. Go ahead, Augie. Augie Bowing. When I saw the, the title at first, I thought of obsession. I thought, what is a fixation? And I jumped to obsession. Is, is that essentially the same or similar, Bowing? I think it is. Uh, obsession. We're obsessed with some particular emotion or feeling, even though we the attribution might go to something that's causing it, rather than the, the situation that we're experiencing. It's our feelings. It's our emotion that is triggered by maybe an event, or or it might show up. Uh, there's nothing more than you just wake up in the morning and feel down, feel yeah. miserable, or feel like life isn't worth living, and all that. Look at it. If you can, look at that. Uh, if you, if you're, once you have some kind of understanding what this is, you'll, you'll just see it. You won't necessarily start to feel better, but your understanding will, will transcend any kind of attachment to feeling. We're so attached to feeling good, we're addicted to it. I feel good. We're addicted to not feeling bad. Mm -hmm. We want to use those kinds of words. Mm -hmm. But we're humans. Our consciousness has been downloaded into this human form, and for whatever length of time, we're functioning as human beings. And we've met the Buddha's Dharma, which is basically train your mind. See the truth, see the truth yourself rather than believe something. You're tempting to just believe things. Is um, the concept of dependent origination a belief? Mom? No, do you believe it? No, it's not. Do you? Do you believe it? Nope. That's with a capital P. Nope. Nope. I use that to use that kind of set of concepts to encourage people to see the truth. Encourage people to see it. You see it yourself. I want you to see it. You don't have to join my crew, although you already have. I mean, you, you don't need to. As I sometimes say, I'm not going anywhere. I don't need any followers. But the, the concept is it's like the raft that crossed the river of samsara, to use that kind of a metaphor. We're going to need something. Once you see it, you, you may meditate, you may not. You may study the Dharma, you may not. You may teach, you may not. No guarantee of anything more. Will you bowing? So how is flashing on the concept of dependent origination helpful? Is it supposed to soften the situation? It could. Bowen? You've done that some, haven't you? Mm. Well, you don't ever think about that when you're having difficulty with emotions. Well, those emotions are, don't belong to anybody. And because they're dependently risen. It feels like a justification or something. It's supposed that's to make ego, that's ego language. It's supposed e to make ego. us feel better. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Second thought about that, that feels like a justification. Ego will do anything to perpetuate its its uh, knowing stuff. You're taking the teachings of the Buddha and saying, if I think about the teachings of the Buddha, that's kind of a justification. Relatively, that would be true. 
but we can just talk ourselves out of the spiritual path altogether. There's plenty of people, probably your parents, who would love to do that. You have no idea what you're doing. What are you, what are you doing this week? I used to run at a wall. What is this crazy cult you belong to from 2,500 years ago? 2,500 year old cult? Come on. All right. Question that we should go further. I wish anything. Any questions? If there's no identity, why does it seem like the same concepts show up over and over? It just feels like there's someone who's in danger. We don't know how that shows up particularly. Maybe it's because human beings have been running from uh, wild buffalo or something. And so they're afraid. They're afraid of starving. They're afraid. So our conditioning comes out of millions of years of trying to protect ourselves as, as bodies. I am this body or that body, that kind of separation, rather than seeing the, the fundamental nature that we're not separate from each other, separated, but not separate. If we were, is that repetition and imputation? If we were to see it clearly, would it not look like repetition? Yeah, it would not, not look like repetition. Jesus, um, what am I missing when it looks like repetition? You think it's repetition? You're missing that you think that, rather than it actually is repetition. You think it's repetition. Don't you value what would it look like if we see repetition clearly? Nothing happens. More. You didn't let me get away with that? You can't you say, well, well, something's like you're talking, something's happening, you're waving your stick around, something's happening. I'm using my voice, something's happening. Is something happening? No. It's an illusion. You have to see it. You can't just think that up and kind of pretend it. You can't just have to see it. Otherwise, you, even if you said that, even if you repeated what His Holiness the 16th Council, uh, when he was going into his uh, prayer nirvana in 1981, nothing happens. You can listen to that and it triggers something. You think about it as what, what is it about uh, someone like him to be saying something? Direct pointing to the nature of reality, not while he was dying. Bowing. I think earlier you said you would see, you wouldn't see anything specific, but you would see all the details, or you wouldn't miss all of the details. No, you wouldn't miss details. Wouldn't miss much. When you're seeing all of the details, does everything look unique? Yes. Yes. What looks unique? unique up on. <laughs> asking about this world. How to catch a squirrel? Unique up on. Is that where you're, where you're going with that? Did I catch you trying to make a joke? Nope. Oh. So, what's your question? If everything, if things look unique, how can nothing be happening? Well, it's an illusion that things are happening. It's an incredibly vivid one. It's propelled and fueled by our attachment to this, this human form. This human form is we are not that we are we are we are showing up as this, but we are 
are not fundamentally this. Relatively, we're human beings, but ultimately, we're not humans. Particularly, look beyond that more. What does the uniqueness look like if it's not separate things? So I'll say it this way, and I don't know if this will reach to where you're, what it is that you want to know. But anytime you look at anything, you see everything. That's why it's unique. Anytime you look at anything, you're not missing anything. You don't miss anything. The whole world is in this. I don't mean to talk about some kind of a fancy romantic uh, overall one, and you know, uh, the whole, uh, whole world is in the dewdrop kind of thing. Just saying that it's not separate. So therefore, if you see that things are not separate, then everything you look at, every every thought you have, everything insert, everything that shows up, whether it's your thoughts or whether it's people or whether it's uh, birds or the air conditioner running, is is saying the same thing. Not separate. Not separate. Not separate. It says it. But we have to listen. We have to receive. We have to listen and receive. Receive it. It looks like I'm taking you out on a limb. I am. Thank you. Since you value um, when you just said that uh, when you look at anything, you see everything. What do you mean by everything? Nothing's left out because it's not separate. So if you look at any one thing, it's it's not separate from anything. So Shivani, what does seeing everything? What is the experience of that? It's like no experience. It's not. It's like I'm looking at you, and it's an experience, but it's also just just receiving whatever shows up. It's difficult to go into uh, concepts and continue to go deeper when, if you want depth in that area, find it yourself. Don't, don't give up. Return to the wall. Return to the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, if you're a monk. Use that structure to... yourself. You see it every day. You all do. Turn away from it. It's too it's threatening to the self-centeredness, the ego that wants to persist, wants to live, wants to be acknowledged, wants to win, wants to have success, wants to be enlightened. Shoka. Shokabine is labeling an emotion way of thinking about repetition. Give me an example. Shokabine, if uh, something arises and I say, there's kind of a, a, a labeling of something's anger, if I continue to label that kind of a sensation or that kind of a texture as anger, is that a form of thinking about repetition? No, it's a form of ignorance. Label it, you stop looking at it. It's not that you don't have a label for it, you know what it is. It's not like you're totally, um, don't, uh, totally, uh, don't see the, the situation as it is, along with the, the name, but to emphasize the label or the naming of anything tends to cover up what it is. Give it a reference point. Is that what you're asking me about? Yes. So stop it. Or don't stop it, but just notice that you do it. Notice that you evaluate. The extreme form of that is prejudice. People see people that don't have the same skin color or sort of from another country or speak another language. And that will not necessarily go away because it's dependently risen. 
If someone says they're not prejudiced, anybody says that. They have no prejudice. They're totally free of all prejudice. It's just, just the way the ego protects itself by finding your credential. At least I'm not prejudiced. If we're seeing something that looks like repetition come up, are we missing the uniqueness in the situations? Example. Um, I think it's similar to what Shoka is asking. Like if I, if I have anxiety come up and I keep leaving that for because of this, is there something unique about the anxiety that would make it not seem like it's the same thing happening over and over again? Just look at it. I think it's. Uh, I think it would be variable. Some to some extent. Um, you can't. The way you're saying it, the way you're asking about it, I can't go in and say it's this way or that way. It starts to get just. It's too situational. Can you be more specific? And I'll be more. Situation is is, rep, is repetition caused by us missing the uniqueness of a situation? Fundamentally, nothing can be repeated. It just looks like it. You get, you get an example of that of doing sutras over and over and over, chanting for about years, hundreds of times, and you'll notice that they're always different. There's never something different about it every time you do that. It may not show up as a, a, a bright, shining uh, polarity, but something is different about it. So there's some different situation. Uh, it's a situation created by our thoughts about it, rather than what shows up. Um, not clear question yet, but I'm really curious about how. Is that why you had that grimace on your face? One hundred times. So, just prior to the grimace, put that into words rather than a grimace, because the grimace actually stopped you from saying what you're about to say. Sometimes pronounced grimace. Is that Italian for grimace? Are you here or somewhere else? I'm just curious about what what's happening in the mind stream when something like the chaining is a great example where it can look different but still seem really monotonous or uncomfortable. Well, simply put, it's just a monotonous or uncomfortable or boring or something like just a, the addiction to entertainment, just something changing and being different. So you want something else. It's the second old truth, basically, in a certain kind of form. We, we don't like boredom. We don't want that same thing, apparent repetition. We want, we want something new, better, improved. It just seems like a paradox where we're trying to create a uniqueness where you're saying it's already unique. Mm -hmm. That was my response to future. Yeah. I'm going to say that to you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> yes. A question from School String in the UK. School String. School String, I want to see a picture of you. You need, to, you need to come on here somewhere so I can see you. No school string here. <laughs> nope. Go ahead, school string. Observing feels very different from receiving. However, I can't tell what separates them. They're pretty much the same. You're just observing something. And just, just observing, You're, you are receiving it. One of those words might show up stronger than the other. 
just a very simple if you're we've all done this maybe recently when we were a child we'd lay on your back and watch the clouds just just receiving whatever they are they're they're beautiful and they're maybe they're dark and threatening they're just clouds moving in the sky just observe them it's when we go in and we try to make this cloud looks like a donkey and that cloud looks like a, uh, a leopard with a saddle on its back and here's a here's a uh, buffalo with i don't know what would a buffalo we, we invent things about it thoughts we add on to our thoughts we elaborate rather than just watch things come in, just forms any of us, any of you, or any of us that have been sitting for a while, you know what it's like to just observe what comes without much elaboration. But then if we get attached to that, and that situation or that feeling that we're accomplishing some kind of samadhi or accomplishing some kind of stability in our mindfulness, then it tends to wiggle away and we're off chasing something else, trying to get some kind of success out of it. Or good feeling or entertainment. Question from Chris Smith. If you are light, how is it possible to see the darkness? What? If you are light, how is it possible to see the darkness? Chris, I'm supposed to be teaching this. Not you. If you want to be a Dharma teacher, then sign up for Zoom and start teaching. If you are light, come on. It's bullshit. You know it. Bullshit. I'm not saying that you aren't sincere about the bullshit. That doesn't make it smell any better. Train your mind. Train your mind. This is not philosophy one-on-one. I think I hurt his feelings. Andy Bowing? Yes, Andy. What is the fixation attempting to accomplish, Bowing? Safety. Safety. Yes, I've got. I know what it is. I know what I think about it, and I got a hold of it. And it might be, it might be uh, uh, anxiety. But there's a safety in locking down on it and having anxiety. It may not feel very good, but it's better than finding out that there there's no one there. That could produce even more anxiety. At least the prospect of that it could, could double up. So it's about feeling safe, feeling protected. I'm not saying it couldn't be other things also, but that, that would be a fundamental way of looking at it. It's threatened. We feel threatened. You see what this is? Nothing is threatened. Can't, there's no one. There needs to be something, some being. I'm not saying that your body isn't threatened by uh, climate change or by, by the insane uh, police departments and all the other things that are happening in our society. Of course, the body, who you actually are, is not threatened. can't threaten that. Yeah. Um, this kind of goes along with um, Shadow's premise or prior to that is any kind of gesture we make repetitively um, when something arises, is that a kind of labeling or fixation? Wow. Perhaps. For instance, if I, um, when I would be nervous, I often would rub my nose like that for many, many years. Um, is that a type of covering up my 
Interesting. Yeah, I see what you're asking now. Yes. Could be, uh, could be, uh, those, those kinds of things could show up. I have a friend, Dad, he's still alive. I think he's a couple of weeks older than him. He would, uh, when he would start to express something, he would do his brothers, brothers, uh, his knee and like that. But what I've been thinking is we should do this for this. I remember that from I wasn't sure what that was about then, but looking back, it seemed like that's there was this self-consciousness. After that It's like uh the fellow used to teach uh meditation with wonderful guy who actually came here in, in this building in 19, I think it's 70, that's around 78 or 9, and in the monastery, yeah, meditation study right there. And uh, he, he came and taught one book class, a level one Shambhala training, he was a Shambhala director, and uh, named Roger, and uh, Roger came and gave, gave a great talk, but yeah, uh, you know, we call it a tech or something like that. You know, we didn't really have a tie on particularly those in his neck. But I never brought it up to him or asked him about it. But I thought perhaps maybe that was some kind of nervousness he needs to show you through that. You see a lot of that with different people see it with ourselves. Clearing our throat and then clear your throat first before you say something. Next to my throat, while I'm saying something. But it's not necessarily something to correct or something is wrong. Yeah, so we, we can uh, we can go ahead and close then. It's pretty late, so we offer the whatever we offer. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.